When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous walrus, the bulbous walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Is This Real Life, a podcast that relates the quirkiest aspects of pop culture and reality TV to our own lives. This is your host, Mandy Slutsker. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 19. So it has been such a crazy week. On Tuesday, it was my birthday, and I'm at work in a meeting, and I get a text from my friend, Brittany Vasur-Thomas. You should check her out on YouTube, at Vasur Beauty. She's like, let me know when you're ready. I'm like, ready for what? So when my meeting's done, I'm like, okay, I'm ready. And she's like, I have your gift ready. What is it? Take a listen. Hi, Mandy. Peter from Vanderpump Rules here. I hope that you're having an amazing day. I heard that you're doing a podcast. Well, congratulations. I heard that it's doing really well. You should have me on there one of these days. Seriously. Email me or something. I don't know. But uh, Or hit me up on Instagram. I'm there all the time. Have me on. I heard that you're ha- getting also a dog. You're naming her after Stassi? Really? Okay. I don't know if that's a diss or not, but... Um, that's cool, I think. Uh, but anyway, happy birthday, Mandy. I hope that you're having an amazing one. I hope that it's, it's uh, I know it's today, so I hope that this message receives you well. And I hope that you're, it's, it's all drama free, just like, just, like, uh, just like my life. It's pretty drama free. I'm over here in LA, enjoying it, soaking it up, about to have some breakfast. And it's very drama free right now. So again, happy birthday to you. And, uh, where did the whole concept of you naming your dog Stasi come from? Wow. Okay. Bring me on your podcast as well. We got to talk about this. We do. But uh, yeah. happy birthday. Hope you're. Hope you enjoy it today. Ciao. So that happened. What an amazing gift. I was laughing so hard. I also happened to get in touch with Peter on Instagram, and he was so nice and gracious, and he will be on the podcast next week. But as he mentioned, and as I have mentioned multiple times, I am getting a puppy. I'm getting her on Saturday, May 19th, which happens to be World Dog Day. 
Now, I looked up what World Dog Day is, and it turns out that it's a fake holiday that was created by Lisa Vanderpump two years ago, and I thought it was real because it was featured on Vanderpump Rules, and I think everything's real on Vanderpump Rules, but quite exciting that I am finally getting the puppy and that it is happening on a day that is so near and dear to Lisa Vanderpump. So now I want to take a little time to spill some tea. There's a lot that's been going on in the reality TV universe and the Bravo universe specifically, and I wanted to touch on a few things. The first is Ramona Singer and her issues with Bethany. So last week she was on Watch What Happens Live, and when Bethany's name was mentioned, She said, well, Bethany's Bethany. She's just not a nice person. She always has something negative to say about everybody. So what can I tell you? That's just Bethany. Okay, now here's where things get dark and divisive. Ramona was interviewed for a podcast whose name I will not mention. And during this interview, she apparently was a complete nightmare. The host got to Ramona through... Ramona's makeup artist and when the questions were being asked Ramona was not just difficult but rude and dismissive to the host in particular a few things that happened were she wouldn't answer questions she berated the host she started screaming when the host asked questions about Bethany in particular she's like you don't know who I am you should have done your research before you had me on One of the reasons she claimed the host didn't know her was because the host asked her about her book. And Ramona said, if you knew me, you'd know I've never written a book. Well, (laughs) Ramona has written a book. It's called The Ramona Coaster. It came out last year. So I think Ramona's the one that's a little bit off. Now, the reason I didn't name the podcast is because Since all of this happened, the podcast host decided to take down this podcast where she recapped meeting Ramona because she only was able to get two answers out of Ramona and they had to stop recording because of how horrible Ramona was behaving. And then some gossip websites picked up on the story and that's how I found out about it. And then since then, the podcast host has asked all of those websites to take down that material, and they have. So if you go on Google or any other alert system, you can't find anything about Ramona Singer that is negative related to a podcast in the last week. Now, I'm assuming there's some sort of legal action that was taken and that Ramona threatened this poor podcaster who she's already berated. Um, And the podcaster, trying to be professional, retraced her steps, asked each of the news outlets to take down the stories, and decided to go on her merry way. But if any of you guys have heard anything about this, please, please reach out to me on Twitter or Instagram at ITRL podcast or ITRL underscore podcast, I should say. Um, Speaking of legal action, Stassi is in some hot water. It sounds like Faith has apparently threatened to sue Stassi for mentioning her on Stassi's podcast. Now, there's been a woman in LA that's been going around and drugging men and stealing from them. And the police released a video. And in this video, 
this woman who's been doing this looks similar to Faith. So Stasi discussed this on her podcast, and when Faith heard about it, she threatened Stasi with legal action. Now, I haven't heard anything else about this mystery woman who's been drugging and stealing from men, um, or whether or not it happens to be Faith. I've also heard that Faith used to be in the military, but then went AWOL. If anyone knows anything about this, please let me know. Now, the final T I'm going to spell tonight is something that I've talked about on Twitter, but I feel like has not gotten the attention that it deserves, which is that Bethany's boyfriend, Dennis, is childhood best friends with Michael Cohn, the Trump attorney who has been all over the news lately. Dennis currently lives in Trump Tower, and when the fire happened in Trump Tower last month, Michael Cohn called him and told him to get out because he knew there were no sprinklers. Now, a few days later, the FBI raided Michael Cohen's house, office, and hotel. And guess which hotel that was? You guessed it, none other than the Regency, where many a crime has been committed on Real Housewives of New York. Now, I know there is a lot going on with Adam and Carol and, and Bethany and Bethany and Carol's relationship, but I really feel like given how Carol feels about Donald Trump, how could she truly be okay with Bethany if Bethany's boyfriend is childhood best friends with the attorney that apparently was going in on all of this Russia collusion stuff. So I know there's other theories out there, but one of my theories of why Bethany and Carol are no longer friends is due to this issue. If anyone has any other information, again, please share. That's the tea for today. Now we're going to go into some recaps. Now, this week we got to see part two of the three-part reunion for Vanderpump Rules Season 6, and we heard a lot about Lala. It was all about Lala. So we found out something that I actually am not shocked by, but I'm quite excited by, which is that Martin Scorsese is a fan of Vanderpump Rules. I always knew there were going to be closet top-notch film critics watching Vanderpump Rules because people like me who have degrees in epidemiology watch it. So why wouldn't a Hollywood director? I mean, come on. This show has it all. It's got the drama. It's got the comedy. It's, it is the dramedy of our time. Now, we got to know a little bit more about Lala's boyfriend, who I think she mentions by name for the first time. His name is Randall, and everyone calls him Rand. And currently, this week, while I've been celebrating my birthday, Lala has celebrating been celebrating in Cannes with her boyfriend who produced the film Gaudi, and she has been showing off on Instagram, hanging out with 50 Cent and John Travolta to other people who I assume are closet watchers of Vanderpump Rules. So we hear from everyone that they've all met Rand and they really like him, except for James Kennedy, who we know is still in love with Lala. 
Lala's also asked to discuss her take on feminism, and it turns out she doesn't really have one. She just wants women to use what they have, including their bodies, to get what they want, and not to accept anything less than what they deserve. The only person who seems to really buy into this theory is James, who uses his looks to get what he wants, but he's manipulating men. See, think about it this way. Look at how he has manipulated his friendship with Logan. He's a straight guy, but he flirts with Logan, and he knows Logan is in love with him. And then we find out that he's been living with a sugar daddy this whole time, a guy, Paul, who pays the majority of the rent on the apartment and probably enjoys watching James walk around in his boxers every morning. No wonder Raquel only got that little drawer in that desk. Anyways, I don't think James' situation with Paul is that different from Lala and her boyfriend, except for that Lala actually seems to be in love with her boyfriend and want to have a future with him, so it doesn't seem like she's really using him as a sugar daddy in the same way that James seems to be exploiting his situation with Paul. But... Let's move on. So Lala brought Katie and Tom and some of the others to Vegas on a private jet, which we heard about the week before. And this definitely upset Sheena, who felt that Lala should have brought her suitcases to Vegas because she was moving to Vegas. And it's just clear in this week's reunion that Sheena is so jealous of Lala's relationship because it's everything that she didn't have with Rob that she wanted to have. Lala's man clearly appreciates her. I think he's loyal to her, and he always lets her know how much she matters to him. But Sheena can't hide her face. Um, It barely moves, but the little movements that are allowed by her totally Botoxed face show the disdain that she has for Lala. And even at one point makes some comment about it's like she's so materialistic or their relationship is so materialistic. And it's just like, Sheena, if Rob got you all those things, if he got you those nice cars that open the doors, like they don't even open out, they open up. I don't even know what those doors are. I feel like they only exist in California. But anyway, (laughs) I mean, Sheena would be so excited and she'd be the one bragging. So I'm kind of, you know, we're all over Sheena this season, but I really, really, really hope that she takes time for herself and away from her phone and away from all her yes people during the off season to kind of recenter and figure out who she really is because it has not been great to watch. We also get to hear more about Tom and Katie's relationship And Katie goes into more detail about the accident that she was in when she was playing board games with a friend and they climbed up onto the skylight and she fell through. It turns out she broke her shoulder, her collarbone, all of her ribs and had a brain injury um, where her uh, brain was bleeding. So she likely had to have been put into a medically induced coma for a period of time while her brain healed. Um, and Andy asks her if that accident maybe affected some of her anger issues. And, and she, you know, admitted that it, it probably did. 
And then Schwartz, you know, explains, like, for a while, Katie was really kind of a nightmare of a human being. And, of course, you know, Lisa Vanderpump was like, were you so perfect? And, you know, he confesses, no, no. But um, it just shows that everything that happened with Katie has had such an effect on her. And we've seen her for these six seasons and really haven't truly known the real Katie until that episode where she really opened up about her accident. I felt like things fell into place for me. I felt like I understood her more. And not that her behavior in past seasons has been okay, but I understand it more now. Some of it is a result of the accident. Some of it is a result of the depression and the anxiety that she had as a result of that accident. And then I'm sure Tom's behavior with cheating on her and drinking too much did not make for the best situation for the two of them. But it seems like they're really in a great place right now. Now, the thing that was really interesting was that Katie explained her thought process on why she wasn't more upset with Tom Schwartz for making out with another woman and calling her Bubba. And she's saying, you know, it's very upsetting. It is not okay. But she was not going to let that ruin their marriage. And it that was just really interesting. She to me because I feel like at another point in time she may have reacted very differently but where her headspace is at today is she's like you know what this isn't great but I'm not of all the things he could do and of all the things we've been through like this is not something I am going to dwell on and as a result I think he has actually in the weirdest way fallen in love with her a bit more and not necessarily like oh now my wife lets me cheat on her at all it seems just very very different than the situation with Jax and Brittany because Jax has proven he is a habitual cheater and it's something that he does to destroy a relationship when he is too much of a wuss to get out of it himself whereas Schwartz just clearly drinks too much so on to Jax and Brittany By the way, I didn't discuss this last week, but I cannot get over how they don't use birth control. And of all the things that Brittany's uncomfortable talking about on television, birth control is going to be the one. I mean, come on. Your boyfriend cheated on you and had sex with a friend of yours in a home that belonged to like a 95-year-old woman while she was in the house. How the hell is that less embarrassing than talking about wanting to hopefully plan a pregnancy one day? This whole like spray and pray or pray and spray boggles my mind. And I just, I don't think I'll ever get over it. (laughs) So we find out that Faith told Ariana that Faith and Jax had been with each other multiple times but jack swears on his late father that this only happened once and Brittany insists that faith's cheating with jacks was premeditated which is why she taped it i definitely have to agree with this i feel like faith wanted to get on the show so badly and decided to create a storyline knowing that jacks was so gullible and was probably willing to do something like this and likely had done it with somebody else but she was in this friend group she knew the people and she planned to record it 
Now, I heard a podcast with Faith where she claimed that she was working on music and had left the recorder on when they started hooking up. So she said, you know, wasn't planning on it. But why are you recording music when you're supposed to be taking care of like a 95-year-old woman? Stick to your job. You're supposed to have a job of being the assistant to an elderly woman. So is that your job? Or are you like doing your hobby, which is singing, which you probably suck at, while you're doing this other job. Like, it just makes no sense to me. So I think that she definitely recorded this and planned to use it during the season as a hook to get on because she was, I think, on season three or four, and I don't think the audience particularly liked her. And we just, I don't know, we didn't feel a connection. It was very clear that she was fake. She dated Max Lisa Vanderpump's son didn't seem like they had any chemistry. She was just doing it to, again, try and get closer to Lisa or get on the show. This girl is thirsty, or as Catherine Dennis would say, dehydrated. So then the uh, part two of the reunion ends with Ariana making some statement about women's empowerment and Jack's chiming in, hashtag me too. <laughs> Thinking that it means something about women's empowerment, which in a way it does, but he is not making the connection that it is about people who've experienced sexual harassment or abuse. Oh my God. And <laughs> it just, just like everything with Jax, you can't help but laugh at him and you can tell that he is so genuine in his like stupidity and blatant disregard for everything going on outside of his immediate life that no wonder he doesn't know about what's happening in society or politics or anything because he's so focused on himself it was just so typical jacks everybody groaned and then we went on our merry way So let's get into this week's episode of Real Housewives of New York. It starts out with Dorinda and Bethany visiting Puerto Rico. It's been a couple months after um, the hurricane came and absolutely decimated the island. And so you see them going around and they go into some of the more central uh, locations of the island that have really had no access to anyone coming to provide any sort of support. So it looks like the hurricane has just hit, but it's been months since it actually happened. So you see Dorinda and Bethany handing out the cash cards and, you know, it's hot, it's sticky, it's dirty, it is unkept, there is no electricity, there is no running water. And then there's this juxtaposition with Ramona and Sonia doing lavish things in New York City. And it couldn't be more jarring. Now, I am such a fan of the Be Strong Foundation and everything that Bethany has done to support the people of Puerto Rico in getting back on their feet after this horrific natural disaster. But I couldn't help but look at this through the lens of someone that actually works at a nonprofit that focuses on poverty issues. And it felt a bit like what... I like to call poverty porn. You're looking and you're watching these horrific stories and you're thinking, oh my God, these poor people, how I feel so bad. Let me take out my wallet, my checkbook. 
And it's really good to actually for raising money and to bring attention to the issue, but it's providing a visual and a story that is from the perspective of the quote unquote like white saviors that come in and fix everything as opposed to really from the eyes of the people that are experiencing it. You know, nothing bad to say about Bethany or anyone. I just thought that was really interesting that we're seeing it the way we want to see it with Bethany as the protagonist that comes in and saves everyone and is doing what the federal government should be doing but isn't. So anyways, that's just my take on it. I'll take my NGO hat off now (laughs) and get back into some, you know, great reality TV gossip and juice. So... I, again, just can't get over how jarring it is to see the juxtaposition of these two worlds. So Dorinda is meets a girl who's like seven or eight and, you know, is moved to tears by this girl and says, you know, she wants all the same things for her daughter as we want for ours. And it was a very, a very moving moment. Um, and then you see Ramonia bringing Sonia shopping in a limo to Queens because she never leaves the city and she never goes below 54th Street, let alone Queens. So, you know, it has to be in a limo. And they go to some store. And this is Ramona's way of saying, you know, sorry, Sonia, that I didn't stick up for you during that fight a few weeks back when we were in the Hamptons. But here, let's go shopping for some fancy furs and you'll feel all better. So Sonia is trying on a chinchilla shawl that I think is worth between twenty and $30,000. And then, of course, it goes back to Puerto Rico. And just, I'm wondering, all these things that it, they're kind of almost accusing some of the women of, you know, shopping and, and thinking of themselves and their lavish lifestyles and not thinking really about what's going on in Puerto Rico. But I'm, I'm wondering, has this actually changed Bethany and Dorinda's habits? Do they still spend the same amount of money? Do they still do what they do and have these fancy dinners and expensive wine? Not that they shouldn't, but what impact is this having now? I'm just curious. So, you know, Dorinda says something that I think was so profound. And really, she does say, and we get some great nuggets from the show of wisdom, but this was one of them. She says, I never want to hear, I could never again, because you'd be surprised what you can do when you have to. And that is the truth. And the people of Puerto Rico are doing what they have to do. And, you know, Dorinda did what she had to do after Richard died. And Bethany is doing what she has to do to take care of Bryn after her marriage fell apart. And people just do what they have to do. And so we should all stop saying, I could never. So then everyone is back in New York City. Dorinda's not feeling well, so she doesn't enjoy, uh, join the dinner that they all have that ends up being quite dramatic. So it starts out with Ramona ordering a $600 um, dollar bottle of wine, which, of course, I think they had to, editors had to keep in after looking at people who are experiencing poverty in Puerto Rico. And then there's this showdown, which they make seem like it's between Tinsley and Sonia, but it really is between Bethany and Carol. So the issue between Tinsley and Sonia is that Sonia feels like Tinsley didn't appreciate 
that Sonia had Tinsley live in her home with her last season when she was getting back on her feet and didn't really show any appreciation, didn't, you know, give her gifts, didn't pay for anything, things like that. And so instead of telling Tinsley this, she's being very passive aggressive and making rude comments about Tinsley's relationship. So Tinsley is obviously upset about it. So they're both upset with each other. Bethany decides to stir the pot, and she is using Sonia's petty story that Tinsley isn't giving Sonia enough credit for changing her life um, and starts digging into Tinsley and is like, you were at the bottom, right? The bottom. And it's like, the bottom of what? So Carol says, you mean the bottom emotionally, you know, not like financially or other ways. And Tinsley's like, yeah, you know, emotionally. And Bethany then yells at Carol for stepping in and chiming in. And, you know, Carol's trying to defend Tinsley. And Bethany's lashing out at Carol and telling Carol that she doesn't have her own voice and insinuating that she always has to sort of almost be a puppet for someone. She doesn't use the term puppet, but she implies it. That Carol always has to kind of stick up for whoever's next to her whether it be Heather Thompson, Bethany herself, or now Tinsley. And she even goes further in her testimonial and is ruder about Carol than I think I have seen someone be in a long time. And this was pretty shocking. So she says, Bethany says, that her and Carol don't have much in common because Carol isn't married, doesn't have kids, and doesn't have a career. Oh my God, Bethany, shut your face. So Carol was married. Her husband died. She never got to have children with him, although I think she mentioned before that she had wanted them. And career, she was a reporter for ABC News. Now she has a career being on The Housewives and being a reality star just like you. And while you have your wonderful empire of skinny girl, not everyone wants to spend all of their waking hours working. Carol doesn't really need to. But as we see this episode, she is pretending to be Carrie Bradshaw and is getting a one-page column in Cosmopolitan magazine. Anyways, I just couldn't get over how rude Bethany was being and dismissive of Carol. But we find out what has really been brewing underneath. The next day, she has lunch with Dorinda and opens up to Dorinda and says, I'm doing all this work with Puerto Rico. And I approached Adam, Carol's boyfriend, to see if he would be a photographer and come down one time and take some pictures, you know, some poverty porn and they can use it to then raise money for more funds and to show, you know, really how dire the conditions are. And Adam asked, asked for money. He said, you know, how much are you going to give me? And Bethany said, you know, nothing. Everyone is doing this as a volunteer. There are doctors, there are nurses, there are teachers. Everyone is just volunteering whatever they can do. And so it left a bad taste in Bethany's mouth that Adam had asked for something just you know, any sort of compensation when this is clearly a charitable project. And when I think she brought this up with Carol, Carol obviously defended her boyfriend and said, you know, he he's an operator. And, you know, this all likely contributed to the rift between Carol and Bethany. Although, as I stated earlier in the podcast, I think it may have something to do with 
Bethany's boyfriend Dennis's friendship with Michael Cohen. Um, but you know, that's just me and my conspiracy and let me, I'm sticking to it. (laughs) But, um, I, I definitely get where Bethany is coming from. If she approaches someone, you know, to do something in their first reaction, it's a charity is like, how much money am I going to get for it? It's not great. And she did mention that there were people that make a lot less money than Adam that are volunteering their time. And she's not quite sure why he won't. And she doesn't really want to deal with him much anymore. Uh, But, you know, at the end uh, of the episode, it's clear that there are issues that are still brewing between Bethany and Carol but that um, Tinsley actually ended up apologizing to Sonia um, for the fact that Sonia was hurt by Tinsley not really showing gratitude to Sonia. And they decide to move on. And so kudos to Tinsley for being the adult in the situation. She's the youngest of all of them and definitely acted the most mature. But I have a feeling that this whole Bethany versus Carol stuff is going to be going on much longer and get much deeper and much darker. Now, a couple of other things that we saw this episode that I thought were um, pretty light and fun is we saw Luann meet Ben, her cabaret director, who seems amazing. He's got lots of nuggets of wisdom, says that, you know, for every new success you've had, it's come out of a failure you've had. And so... You know, the Countess loves to hear this, and she talks about the challenges and tribulations that she's faced with getting married, then getting divorced, and now obviously the next step is cabaret. She, um, when asked (laughs) about her singing experience, she says, and I quote, I sing for my friends, I do dance music. Then she gives an example of how one time she sung on Broadway and Liza Minnelli came up to her and was like, girl, Luann is the perfect amount of like lack of self-awareness that you need to be a fantastic person for a reality show. I am absolutely living for Luann this season. Then... Later in the episode, we see that Luann and Ramona are helping Sonia get her house ready to go on the market to be rented. And Sonia brings some black paint and outfits and they paint her outdoor furniture to cover up the bird crap that has fallen on it. That's so gross. Like, if you're going to paint something, and if you've ever painted anything, you know, the first step is to get rid of the dirt that's already on the surface and to sand it down. But nope, they're just going to paint over all of the shit and hope that nobody notices. You know, I bet if you sit on those chairs, you would hear crunches of dried bird shit. (laughs) Oh, what I would give to rent that house for a week on the Upper East Side. Um, And at the end of the episode, we hear that next week they're going to the Berserk Shares with Dorinda. And Dorinda shares that she ran into Tom, Luann's ex-husband, 
who is planning a New Year's Eve party on his yacht in Palm Beach. This is the very same yacht that he had the engagement party on. And New Year's Eve is the anniversary of him and Luann getting married. And I think this is actually what leads Luann to completely melt down and is the, you know, precursor to her arrest that we know is coming. So it's pretty dark, but I'm very glad that Dorinda stood up for Luann and told Tom he was a piece of crap and said that she doesn't want to see him or any of his, you know, little mistresses or whoever he's with hanging around him and to leave her table. And then, of course, Dorinda got thrown out of whatever establishment she was at. (laughs) So I love these women. I love this show. I love Bravo. I'm having a wonderful week. Thank you all for the birthday wishes. A huge thank you to my friend Brittany for getting in touch with Peter from Vanderpump Rules. So excited to have him on the podcast and hope you all have a wonderful week. I will talk to you soon. So that concludes this week's episode of Is This Real Life? Thank you so much for joining. Please be sure to subscribe on either iTunes or SoundCloud and follow on social media at ITRL underscore podcast. See you next week. Has it been a while since you flipped that thermostat from heat to cool? Turn to the experts at Griffith Energy Services before you do for an $88 AC start and check to make sure your AC is in tip-top shape. Griffith specializes in carrier, but services all brands. Visit GriffithEnergyServices.com today. Your local carrier expert. That's GriffithEnergyServices.com. License number MDHVACR01-2278. Griffith Energy Services. Doggone dependable. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous walrus, the bulbous walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.